It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, oh, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the R-O-C. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Wells. You are listening to the Bluegrass Sports Performance Podcast. Today we are talking with Coach Mike Winkler, Director director of Strength and Conditioning at Archbishop Hoban High School. Coach, how are we doing today? Great, man. Thank you uh, very much for having me on. Yeah, Coach, thanks for thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, within the high school strength and conditioning world, uh, you are very well known, so I appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, giving us a peek behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, before we get to the programming aspect, and before we learn about a little bit more about Hoban, tell us just the, the the Coach Winkler story. How did we get to the point that we are today? All right, great. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, my high school is in Akron, Ohio. I grew up in Barberton, Ohio. That's where I went to high school. We actually played them tonight in the second round of the playoffs, which is kind of cool for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I went to college. I played both baseball and football. Only two years of baseball, though. Went to Walsh University. And uh, did spend one redshirt, uh, medical redshirt season. My junior year, I broke my right uh, right foot, fifth metatarsal, the Jones fracture. So that that's when I really got in, right, I mean, really got into the weight room and really started loving the weight room. And I, I always lifted, you know, but I didn't, you know, this especially in high school, did not do it the right way. And uh, we did you know how it is at the smaller college. Uh, we were NAI at the time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, our, I think our defensive backs coach was our strength coach. So, but he did have a certification. He was certified and he had some knowledge. And so we, you know, we did learn a lot. You know, I was able to learn a little bit from him. Uh, but as far as being a strength coach, I didn't really, because he was a football coach, really. That was his full-time job. I didn't really know there was a profession of being a strength coach. And I loved the weight room and I loved athletics. So if it weren't for my brother, he was a Division One catcher at Akron University or the University of Akron. Um, if it weren't for him and him having strength coaches uh, guiding him, you know, that was their full time job. I don't know if I would have known about the position. Hmm. And so that really once I once I found out there's a job that you could have an office and a weight room and you could also be involved with athletics still and still just wear you know, this is what I wear to work. Um, I don't have to wear a suit and tie and stuff. So uh, that really uh, sparked my interest. So I my I was fortunate enough to speak with my football coach down at Walsh University. He was actually Ken Manny's uh, football coach at Akron University of Akron. Ken Manny, if you don't know him, he's the former strength coach at Michigan State University. He was there for a long, long time, and he's one of the most well-known strength coaches that I know of at least um, he, he, he's a mentor of mine for sure. Um, and he really got me interested after speaking with him about strength conditioning. So I was lucky enough to get a GA graduate assistant position right out of, co- right out of college um, at the university of Akron. And I spent a year and a half in that position. Um, and I, I was there at a really good time. We won the Mac championship and got the, Spend some really cool experiences at the Motor City Bowl, which doesn't exist anymore, but they still had the bowl up in Detroit. 
But uh, we played against DeAngelo Williams, if you know who that is. He was a heck of a running back for Carolina and Pittsburgh. Um, but anyways, that was a cool experience in college. So a year and a half, I went through all summer, and I graduated in December. Mm-hmm. And when I, you know, right at that time, it was a good timing because right at that time is typically when uh, baseball team, major league baseball teams are looking for minor league strength coaches. And <clears throat> so I, you know, obviously like everyone else goes, go, go on job boards. And I was looking, I was on NSCA's job board. I saw Cleveland Indians had an opening. That's just 30 minutes from me, 30, 40 minutes from me. And so I applied and they had me come in for an interview and, uh, and I was lucky enough to get that opportunity. Spent one year, my first year with the Indians, I spent in um, uh, single-way baseball. I don't know if you know the levels of baseball. There's many levels. And I, I was with the Lake County captains for one season. And then I got promoted to AAA the following two years with the Buffalo Bisons at the time. Now they're in Columbus. They've moved. Spent two years there. And then I was uh, fortunate enough to get an uh, opportunity out in L.A., um, with the Dodgers being a uh, string conditioning coach out there for the, the LA Dodgers. Spent three years there and then try to make a lateral move, try to get closer to home. Because if you ever, if you know anything about baseball, it's a very long, long season and it's all professional life and very little personal life. So I was trying to get closer to home. So I made a lateral move to Pittsburgh and uh, spent three years with the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh enjoyed all my years in professional baseball. I had opportunity, opportunities when I was with the Indians in the off seasons, I would travel up North Northern California and I would train CC Sabathia every off season. I was there. Um, it presented so many cool opportunities for me um, that memories that I'll never forget working with Manny Ramirez at, at uh, with the LA Dodgers and being a Cleveland fan, those guys are, you know, growing up in Cleveland, those are my guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I walked away from baseball in 2004, 13, 14, and came home playing, like I said, personal life was very little in baseball. So I walked away and we got married. I married my, my wife in 2014 and right, right around the same time as we were getting married, we got married in July. I got a phone call from Archbishop Hoban High School's athletic director and did not previously have a relationship with this gentleman. And uh, somehow he found out about my resume and heard about me and gave me a call. And I came in and heard him out. And at the time I was like, high school? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I didn't really have a plan in place. I was just, my plan was to get married. Mm-hmm. And so this opportunity really did fall into my lap. I'm very, very lucky, very fortunate. But um, so that was nine years ago. And so now looking back, uh, Mike Domenico, he was he was our athletic director. A couple couple weeks of you know going back and forth and created this position, and it is what it is today. Um, and I I owe that man everything because this was his vision of I don't know if you've seen our facility, but I mean it's total it's eleven thousand square foot facility, and fortunate to have a lot of space, a lot of racks, a lot of a lot of fun toys out there to mm-hmm. be able to train our kids with. So. Um, so like I said, now I'm at Archbishop Hogan High School and loving every minute of it. And there's no other level that I would rather be at than the high school level. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's great. It's, it's great to see the journey, uh, that strength and conditioning coaches take. I, I know, I, I think I remark on it almost every podcast that I've, I've recorded so far, but 
uh, you know, it always seems so linear, you know, you would think that it would be so linear, but what you end up finding okay. out is there, there's a lot of twisting turns that get you to the position that you are today. What's one of those uh, kind of maybe a lesson that you took from working in professional baseball that you've now been able to apply to now your setting at, at Hoban? It's a great question. Well, I mentioned baseball. I, so I spent years in minor league baseball and minor league baseball, you're working with high school age kids at the lowest level. And a lot of times those kids are not speaking English. They speak Spanish. So a lot, you know, if you've never tried before, it's interesting trying to coach a kid that cannot understand what you're saying to them. So it's all demonstrating and it's all trying to just very broken English, mm -hmm. but it really does challenge you to be a better coach um, because you have got to show the correct technique and then you got to express how not to do something, but do it through uh, demonstration. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I, honestly, those, those years of minor league baseball uh, really made me a better coach, just coaching cues, um, refining my technique because I had to demonstrate so much and kept me in shape. And, and but bringing that, now I do relate that to the, the freshmen uh, that we get in that are the rawest of athletes that we could work with, you know, some of these kids have never seen a weight room before, never been in a weight room before. And that, so I, I kind of relate working with those young baseball players as I do with the freshman kids. And as we grew them, we, we're now growing our high school kids through four years. And so I, I would say, I hope that hopefully that answered your question there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, that, no, that's uh, something that I hear very commonly through the minor league system. Um, it is that ability to have to teach in different ways, maybe ways that you're not as comfortable with, um, but it makes you grow that, that, right. that toolbox that you have then. Um, and then you talked about um, the athletic director um, and how he had a vision for what, what this strength and conditioning department could be by bringing you in. Talk to us about what, what, who was maybe occupying your position before or if anybody was and kind of how it's been able to grow into what it is today. Um, the, the individual that was here before me, um, had a difficult time, uh, from what I understand, it, it, the, the weight room I'm in now was not, the, it didn't exist back then. Mm. This was a brand new build, the old weight room, which I call the dungeon. And I love that weight room. Uh, we, we did win a state championship in that weight room. That was only not even a quarter. I mean, that was a little under 2000 square feet. Anyways, that individual just had a very difficult time. I don't think his personality personality I think it clashed with some of the coaches and a lot of the the children um, that are at the, that were at the school at the time, and that actually kind of made my job coming in here a little bit more difficult because being a high school kid, that was their only impression of what a strength coach was. Hmm. So when meeting me, I'm a big old burly guy, and they thought I was going to be. I don't know, <laughs> just like him. Mm -hmm. And and uh, once they got to know me, it was all about, at the beginning for me, it was all about building relationships, not just with the coaches, but with the, the kids. And just like, hey, it's an open door, you know, come on in and trying to really uh, change that culture. That was quite a task. And, and uh, but um, it, it was, a I, I embraced that challenge, you know, and I, I loved it. And uh, that's where I am now. Yeah, that's awesome. So talk to us a little bit about your setup. You've already mentioned the facility that you all have. And if, if anybody has been up there, I think you guys hosted 
Uh, Great Lake. What, what did we host yep. last year? Is that right? Great Lakes. Two uh, years ago, uh, we hosted, yeah, um, right after COVID, 2021, yeah. we hosted the Great Lakes Regional for mm-hmm. NHSSCA. Mm-hmm. That was a great event. We had a great turnout. We had close to 100, 150, 160 coaches for that. Yeah. So if you ever have an opportunity, it's a, I, I haven't had an opportunity to go, but I've seen pictures of it. Great facility that you guys have up there. But talk to us just broadly about, about your school first, just kind of uh, private, public, and then yep. start working your way down to just kind of more of the demographics that you're seeing, how many kids, those types of things. Let's start in sure. the 10,000-foot overview, and then we'll work our way to strength conditioning. Sure, no problem. So and with that said, before I say anything else, uh, open-door policy for anybody that would ever want to come here and, and visit, and I, I would love to meet more strength coaches. I'm all about connections and everything else. But with that said, so we have read around 800 um, students at Hoven High School. We are a division the size of it. So in Ohio, Division One is our biggest, biggest division. And then we go all the way down to seven in football. Not every sport has seven divisions. Mm-hmm. Football does. So seven is the very lowest of the smallest of schools. So we're the size of a Division Three school. And uh, when we won, won our first two state championships in 2015-16, um, the, the state of Ohio implemented competitive advantage. And that had bumped us up to uh, two thousand uh, Division Two. So in seventeen, our next three state championships were in Division Two. So football is Division Two. Um, like I said, those other uh, sports like baseball, I believe, only has four divisions. Uh, basketball four. So they're Division One. So th- because there's so many divisions, uh, we're Division Two, but it's very similar to what our kids have to deal with in other athletics with Division One. So, like I said, we have around 800 kids, 95% are athletes. Wow. So, regardless if that's, uh, we train them all. We have 26 sports. We train them all from dance team, cheerleaders, uh, bowling, to baseball, basketball, football, soccer. We train them all. So, male and female, we're co-ed. And, uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you how we go about it, too. We we do not train during the day. Like, a lot of strength coaches I know. I prefer keeping teams separate. I do I, I do not prefer, you know, meshing. Even if it is just all female, all male, I want my teams growing together as a family, building that culture. And I feel the weight room has a large effect on the culture of teams. And that's – we start at 3 o'clock every day during the school year. And every 45 minutes, teams are in here an hour, but every 45 minutes with a 15-minute overlap, team other teams are coming in. So 3 o'clock, 345, 435, 15, 6 o'clock. Um, and with the size of my facility, depending on the roster size of the teams, the majority of them are small enough where I can get two teams in here at once. Mm-hmm. And so the way we can go about that, I, I do have a full-time assistant, which very fortunate to have Coach Maddie. She's phenomenal. Uh, hope and strength could not be what we are without Coach Maddie. And with, with, along with her, I try to carry three to four interns from local colleges. And I'm I'm very lucky to be in a location in Akron where I'm three minutes from the, the University of Akron. I'm 15 minutes from Kent State University. And I have a lot of small, like Walsh University, where I went, it's only 20 minutes away. I have many smaller schools around Mount Union, John Carroll, mm-hmm. Baltimore Wallace. So I try to pull from all of those other smaller colleges as well get interns in here and young adults 
that aspire to be strength coaches. And I take a lot of pride in that as well, growing young strength coaches. I, our intern this semester is actually our 40th intern since I've been here. So I take a lot of pride in that program as well. That's awesome. So we have after-school training specifically. Now you said that, you know, we got 800 kids, you know, 95% of them are going to be student athletes. I'm assuming not all of them are just one sport athletes, right? We're going to have two and three sport athletes that are yeah. going to be in the mix. And you talked about keeping them separate. Just out of curiosity, how does that roll together? So if you got a football player, they're with football during football season, but and then if they go to basketball, they shift to their basketball program. Talk to us about how that, how that works out. Stuff, man. It's not easy. So my my golden rule for and our athletes know by now, our coaches know by now is if you go back to back football, basketball, what have you, football wrestling, you've got to take two weeks off from the weight room. Okay. Um, I don't mind them being active, but I, I don't want to load them because football specifically, it, I'm more fortunate now. Six out of the last seven years, we were in the state championship. So that's 16 games per those years. So that's a lot of football. That's a lot of pounding on these young athletes. And I, you need that time off. I feel like the rest, the recovery period of the yearly cycle, it really gets passed and overlooked a lot. I mean, coaches a lot of times can't wait to get their kids back in the weight room, get them bigger, faster, or stronger. But that recovery phase is, for me, is very important. So for multiple sport athletes, if they go back and back, going into basketball season, two weeks off, and then they can join their basketball team for in-season training, which is nowhere near intense as off-season training. Mm -hmm. So how does how will that work then for for those student athletes that may roll one to the next to the next? You know, the what I have found at least is you know we just like you said, it's not as intense once we get into the regular season training. How do we continue those athletes having a developmental model where they continue to get bigger, faster, and stronger when they don't get a true off season? Yeah, the summer, man. That summer is their their real opportunity to have a good off season. I don't say say they're a three sport athlete. You know, fall, winter, spring. They they're in in season training during those those um, seasons. Mm -hmm. I don't. I feel like I'd be overloading an athlete if I were to like gosh this kid really needs to do more I'm gonna you know when I always say another golden rule like when the volume increases on the football field soccer field court swimming when the volume increases with their sport my volume in the weight room needs to be reduced a little bit mm -hmm. yeah makes sense okay so, so, go ahead keep going so summers are very, without a doubt, the busiest time of the year because that for those athletes specifically, they're in their true off seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So when we start thinking about programming for teams, um, and we're all going to be after school, so you know, kind of that three o'clock onwards. Um, how many days a week are we able to get teams in? Are we looking at, you know, in season we're getting one and two, and then off season we're getting three or four? What does that kind of look like? Does it depend on teams? Talk us through that. So, yeah, it depends on teams, but in season, everyone's two days a week. Okay. No question. We're two two days a week for spe specifically with football. Um, we're Monday, Wednesdays after practice, which is a very long day for, for that child, you know, the young athlete, because they're in school for eight hours, then they have a three hour practice. Then we feed them right around 630 or so. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a long day. Mm -hmm. So that's why in season training is much different than off season training. But, um, so in seasons, two days a week, off season, I'll be honest, a lot of our teams stay two days a week. Okay. And I think for the age that we work with, I think that's sufficient. 
I do have some teams that go three days a week. Let's say football, they go three days a week, um, starting their off season. And then when we hit summer, when June, the like first week of June, we go four days a week, and that's the upper and lower split. Um, but they're different than all the other sports that we train. They're the most consistent. Um, honestly, if it's if it's a doctor's appointment or vacation, that's really the only time anybody ever misses from the football team, which I'm very fortunate of that. That and that's a long process, like nine years to get, you know, it's a long process to get that type of commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows. Um, so every team is a little different when, we, when it comes to off season. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So we're, we're going to get generally speaking to at least two days a week, you know, again, it could be where we bump to a potential three or four, depending on the sport. What does, um, what does the, if you're again, go from the 10,000 foot overview, when you start des- describing your program to somebody in the strength and conditioning world, what does that look like? Linear periodization, Progressive overload, just and it doesn't have to be the big keywords, but just give us the ten thousand foot overview of what sure. it looks like for you in your head, your splits, how you're doing certain things like that, so that when we go and look at your program, we got a better idea of of what we're looking at. Yeah, you, you named it, man. It's I mean, if it, it's really molded into really what I do, my my philosophy. But if you had to put a title to it on what my philosophy is, it would be linear periodization. Um, you know, you start higher reps, lower weight, progress down, lower reps, higher weight, you know, and throughout the cycles of training. And <clears throat> so we we transition every six weeks and transition difficulty of exercises. You know, let's say squat, for example, we always start with the dumbbell. Well, body weight, to be honest, if it's a very novice individual, they start body weight to make sure they can actually hip hinge and get down deep to where they're supposed to be. And then we load them with a, a dumbbell. Um, and my God, the squat's much different than a lot of other people's I've ever seen. I, I hold the dumbbell, my elbows are up, just like you kind of are in a front squat. Um, and I hook the thumbs underneath the bar of the dumbbell. Hmm. That's uh, that's how we goblet squat. So we'll go, we'll start with goblet squat, then we'll go to double dumbbell squat. So we're kind of similar to a front squat. Um, we'll do that for six weeks, then we'll go into a front squat, back squat. It's all progression, right? I mean, you know, Front squat, a lot of the reason we do front squat because it is the rack of a power clean. We get into power cleans and everything has rhyme or reason. And that's what I try to tell the kids when they ask me questions. I do explain it for them, but I just, you know, just trust me. There's a reason for what we do and the progression we do and why we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Will you, um, will you kind of, I'm going to use the word tier and that may be wrong, but use the word, uh, tier your athletes based on how skilled they are at potentially lifting, right? You're going to have, you're going to have a ninth grader that has never lifted. You may have somebody that transfers into your school that has never been in an organized strength and conditioning program versus you might've had somebody that's been with you for four years and, you know, can, can squat, squat a house. Yeah, you have to, right. I mean, you got to get to know the kids first. Um, Once I know them, once they're in, once they're in our program for at least a year, um, I, I don't have much variance of training. Uh, obviously, the more skilled kids that are very strong, very good, are separate from the kids that have been through it mm-hmm. that aren't very strong and kind of their technique better be because when I've had a year with them, I feel like their technique should be great, mm-hmm. uh, should be where it needs to be after a year of training. So once they're sophomores, there's not much difference in training um, as far as sets, reps, exercises. But when they come in as freshmen, it's much different, um, especially when they first start 
I, I keep Pressman separate from the, the rest of the crew okay. until they can prove they can come up with the varsity or JV varsity. And a lot of times that's me talking with the football coach. You know, what do you, I think this guy's ready. Do you think, you know, can I, can I have him join the big group so they can see what it's really like? And mm-hmm. so it just takes me getting to know the kid before I can actually progress them to where once they're in our program, they're in our program. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. So let's slowly start turning towards maybe some programs. There is a little bit of a block zero when they first get here. Right. Okay. okay. You know. Gotcha. Makes sense. So let's start turning to programming a little bit. Um, if you can, you can go ahead and share your screen there um, and kind of give us a, just again, general overview of what we're kind of looking at. Um, and we can kind of start wherever, wherever you see fit here. Okay. So this is my, so I, I mentioned the four day split. This is the first day or first week of summer training, the four day split with football. Gotcha. So the way I split it up, I'm again, lucky enough that I, I can get nearly 80 kids in here comfortably. Okay. Um, and the way I split it up is bigs are doing the opposite of what the skills are doing. Uh, so Monday uh, skill, as you can see here, they got Olympics, clean high poles, trap bar, shrugs, reverse lunges. They're on lower body. At the same on the same at the same time, big will be doing upper body on Monday. So here's the big smile. All right, so they're benching on that day, and then on Tuesday they just flip. So now they're doing the clean eye pulls, they're doing the the lunges. Um, That's on Tuesday is when the skill will be doing um, bench and everything else upper body wise. Gotcha. And so on, so on with Thursday and and or actually we go Wednesday and Thursday. We go four straight days and give them a three day break. Okay. For the weekend. So, so basically, what you're doing is just uh, based off of the constraints of your weight room. You've got enough people to that or enough space that you can put the people in there. But is it based off of uh, the amount of equipment that you want for the certain exercise? That is that the reason why we're keeping lower upper and the skills and the bigs kind of split out? That is. So the the way my weight room set up, I have 20 racks. 10 racks are set up for upper body training where you can roll the bench in. And I got a lock-in system with hammer strengths uh, racks. Mm-hmm. And then the inside racks, I know I'm looking at it right now and you guys, I know you guys can't see it, but the inside racks are dedicated to uh, Olympic lifting and lower body training. So okay. Okay. It, it flows, it flows pretty well. And just about everything we have is set up for 10 stations. Got I got 10 plyo boxes. I got, you know, 10 benches for dumbbells. I got 10 this, 10 that. So I, that was my thought process when designing the program or the okay, way. So that, that was going to be my next question. Did you have a hand in designing that? And it, did that help dictate how you were going to end up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, again, Mike DeMedico gave me full reign of designing this however I want it to be designed. And I'm very fortunate for that. That's awesome. Okay, fantastic. So when we start talking about, and I noticed on there on on your, uh, in, in Asher's in red there, we've got, uh, speed and agility uh, before our oh, yeah. Body day. Yeah. Are we looking at, does that, again, do we split the bigs and the skills when they're doing different things on, on those specific days? Talk us through what that might look like a little bit. So that actually, yeah, it helps with the flow, right? So um, skill on Monday, they're going to do speed and agility. So they start out on the field. Okay. And at that time, uh, bigs are, are, are getting into their lifting, their workout. So there is about a, a 20 minute overlap where the two groups are in the weight room at the same time. 
and that allows us to where it's not so crowded. It's just 20 minutes of 80 people in here at a time, 80, 90 kids. And by the time bigs are done with their lifting, they go down for conditioning. And that allows skill about halfway through their workout, and they finish the workout by themselves. No bigs are in the weight room. So gotcha. And it, that you- 20 minutes is big because the whole the whole family's together, right? That's oh, when yeah. everyone's grinding. That's when like bigs are halfway through their workout and we're more towards the auxiliary exercise and skill. They're coming in to do the heavy, you know, the heavy Olympics and they're pushing the guys and it just, it, it's cool how it works out. It, yeah, it's, crazy, crazy I, good atmosphere, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just, it took about four years to really get that type of um, flow. Yeah. So, but, so um, t- talk to us about that again. And I, this is what I love talking to coaches about is there, you didn't just wake up and do it this way. There was a process that got you to this point. So talk to us, take us four years back when you first started it. What did it used to look like? And then step us through how we got to where we are today. Yeah, well, I'll talk. When I was in the dungeon, I had 2,000 square feet weight room, uh, four racks or whatever. Um, that was, we had six groups. I couldn't get the whole team in at a time. I, I had six groups that came in every half hour. And I would rely on other coaches to be out on the field. I was in the weight room majority of the time. Okay. And I, I want to be involved with everything conditioning, but I just could not be at two places at one time mm-hmm. at that time. And I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there that understand what I'm talking about. So I would script it out what they were supposed to be doing for agilities and sprints and conditioning or whatever, but I would rely on coaches to be out there for me. And that was early. I only had, I had a, low paid part-time strength coach at that time. <laughs> and I wasn't very, my internship program wasn't built up that well yet. So I didn't have much help as far as like, you know, strength, strength coach minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm relying on a lot of football coaches that played the sport before that been in the weight room before, but they don't really get it. Um, but that's okay. I took a lot of time trying to educate them and ex- told, tell them what my expectations were. And they, they did a good job for me. Mm-hmm. But now once I, once the building got built and now we're in 11,000 square feet, um, the four day split, that was, that was a trial and error. Really. Um, I try to have everyone lift at the same time. Then we go down and split the half the field. One, one half would do, you know, distance intervals for conditioning. The other half of the field would be doing speed and agility, you know, cone drills, what have you. And that was just, that was, my head was talking about your head to have to be on a swivel in the weight room. It was all over, man. It was just too much going on at once. So, that's where we came up with, you know, before and after. And, you know, you don't really want to do speed work after training anyways. Um, that didn't really make sense. So that was – and it took a lot of communicating with my football coaches as well because they, they want to try to get with the kids, you know, on certain times of the week, working with them on either film study or what have you. I'm not sure everyone understands that as well. So I love this split, you know. And I love – we went – we first started out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday – Fridays, a lot of families travel on long weekends, you know? Yes. And the attendance wasn't always great. So when we moved it to Monday through Thursday, just four straight days, it's, it has been awesome. I'll never go back to the Friday thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, it's what I love talking about coaches about because it is, it's, it, we should be continuously tinkering with trying to make it a little bit better. And I'm sure there were variations in there that you did in the tinkering that you thought it was going to make it better. And then it, it probably took two steps back and you're like, nope, I'm, we're not we're not going to do that one again. Right, man. Yeah. So I'll say one of the biggest lessons I've learned 
is learning to put my kid, my myself in the kid's shoes. Hmm. When I was in professional baseball, all I had to worry about was one thing, baseball players, right? Yep. Yeah, pitchers, catchers, they're all different. I did train them differently. But it's still the sport of baseball. And what did those kids have to think about? All they had to think about was baseball. <laughs> they didn't have a, a eight-hour school day. They didn't have this or that. So my in-season program, because we train, obviously, in baseball, you play every single day. We trained in-season. I mean, you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but my in-season program in baseball is much different than it is here because there's so many other variables these kids have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I did not think about kids having to wake up at six, six thirty. Some kids travel real, real far to come here. Yeah. Um, to get here by seven fifty, and then they're sitting in class all day long. Uh, they get out two fifty, and then three hour practice, and then I get them. I never thought that much about it. My football pro uh, in season program was so much different than what it is now. Now, let me see if I have it up. You guys are probably going to laugh at me. I don't care. <laughs> it is, It's like I said, it's two days a week right now. So we're, we're in week, let's see here. We're in week 12 of the football season. And that's also three weeks of preseason. Um, this is for next week, praying that we win tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you're looking at two sets of four exercises for Monday. We yeah. back squat, very yeah, light, yeah, 50% yeah. of their max. Coach, do this real quick. I think it's showing it's still showing your uh off season. Oh, yeah, your off season one there. Oh man, all right, hold on here. Maybe I need to learn how to use Zoom. Uh, that's it's joys of technology. Is this one up now? Yeah, perfect. You got it. All right, let me see. Let me get back to where I was. All right, so this was the week. So this is this week. This is the week that we just completed Monday and Wednesday. Okay. If you look, it's four exercises, back squat, 50% four reps. Very light. Mm-hmm. Very, very light. Gluham negatives, which people call Nordics. That's yeah. my term. It's gluham negatives. Partners holding ankles down, you know, hamstring work. I call it the four major movers. Mm-hmm. But quads, hamstring, chest back. And then we do bench, and then we do TRXs, two sets. And obviously, the big start with the upper body skill start lower body. And then that's a lighter day, which yeah, you can't get much lighter. Is trap bar deadlifts, two of five VSLA curls, which VS of valve slides on turf, mm-hmm. um, two of six, then incline, two of five pull ups, dumbbell incline, and then pull ups, two of six. That's that's very late in the season, early in the season. This is like the first week of preseason. Um, so right after our offseason. So the last week of July is when we always max. It's the first week of August. And we played Toledo Central Catholic. So on and so on. I was a scrimmage. But this is what the offseason, uh, the beginning of the offseason looks like. Four exercises, three sets each exercise. Uh, with max I go is five reps, 55%. Three of eight, three of eight on bench, 60%. So on and so on. It's not in season is much different. When I first started, my in season did not look much different than my off season. I, you know, I know I know a lot of guys go hard in the season. I think that's great, but they a lot of those guys have kids during the day when they're not mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, and so on and so on. But I've seen a lot of success with transitioning to what we uh, are doing now. So. 
Well, and, and again, that's a that's a key component there, right? So if you're you you describe to us how they come off of uh off of a practice, they maybe have been up since so six, seven o'clock, gone to school for eight hours, they had a three-hour practice. Now they're coming to you at let's call it conservatively 630, but it could be potentially a little bit later. Yeah, they're probably pretty exhausted by the end of the day. And then they go do homework. Yeah, and then they still gotta go home, they gotta eat, do homework, chores around yeah. that. But if you let's say have it in, if you have an in-school weightlifting, this might end up looking different because you would have them, let's say, for fun at the start of the day. They get six hours of rest, then they go to football, and then they go home afterwards. Yeah. That might that might start changing the way that you think about it. But you're you're right; it's all a stimulus, right? We're getting them closer to the end of the day uh, after practice, different things like that. Probably what we've got to do to be able to keep them healthy and competing on the field because that's really the most important thing when we start talking about there's pros and cons to everything we do like you know there's pros and cons to doing it all after school or doing it through the school day that's one of the benefits of doing it through the school day you might be able to do more with them yeah absolutely so now why do you and if i noticed correctly even in your preseason here that you've got here and, and then later in it we've got some type of squat variation some type of hamstring variation bench and some type of row variation talk us through why you think in season we need to continue training some of those? I just, I, you know, the, the four major muscle groups, you know, the four major movers, and I just feel like you got to keep them them going because you know all the other auxiliary exercises I could be doing, um, the muscles are still being trained. I believe in, in with the the movements that we are doing. Hmm. So. Um, hopefully that answers the bad question. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. And then talk to us again. And I think this goes in line with what we were just talking about, but it looks like even in preseason, we're sitting at 55% and later in the season, we're also sitting in that, that 50 to 60 to mm-hmm. 70% range. Talk to us about, do we ever go up and do we touch that into that strength category of the, you know, 75, 80%? Do we kind of hover around this? What, what does that look like? I don't, I do not. I do not. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people do five three one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I I don't I know a lot of people go very heavy in season for you know one, two reps, what have you. That's just not my I don't I I it's not my belief. <laughs> not my belief, and that's okay. There's a million ways to do what we do. Um no, I keep it light, I keep reps low, and I want to keep them in, engaged as much as possible because what I was finding when my when I first started. You know, high school kids' attention spans are already nothing. <laughs> now you get them after that long day, it's nothing at all. So I, I feel like the kids have appreciated. Um, and it worked. I mean, they give me full effort for the minimal time I have them in here. Mm-hmm. Before, they were just like dragging this and that. I just feel like this, the kids appreciate it, and I get the best out of them. Yeah, absolutely. And how long will will this – kind of lower with the skill and then bigs, you're going to go up or you're going to switch them. How long are we generally working out for in season on that Monday, Wednesday? 30 minutes. Right 30 now, minutes. with now I'm down to two sets on both days, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So we're in, we're, we're in and out. We're moving that right along. Yep. We're, is there, like you said, there are things that they can go, still got to go do at home, homework, yep. different things like that. I mean, it's blackout. It's dark out. Yeah. By the time they leave, both days. Oh, there, yeah, there's no, there's no question. When you wake up and go to school and it's dark, and you go home when it's still dark, yeah, it starts starts to wear on you a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
Okay, so I, I think there when we uh, before we started recording too, you were showing us maybe some things that you do for parents in terms of uh, looking at body composition before and after type of pictures here. Um, I think this would be something really interesting for for some of our coaches to be able to see what what that looks like. Because I think too, while you're pulling this up, I think part of our job is to engage the parents um, and to show sure. show them the work that that their son or daughter is doing in the weight room. Can you see this or not? No, no, not yet. Well, what? Oh, there it is. Okay. There we go. So I just do a simple before and after picture. Um, and this, so this one's a two-year progression. Mm -hmm. And this is from March 9th of 2020 to July 26th. So two plus years. Yeah, of 22. And this is this is one of our I stick his name out of there, I guess. Um, this is one of our linebackers who has obviously went from 169 to 250 pounds. I didn't have him squat at the time. He, he had a bum ankle hmm. uh this this past max out, but he first started out at three, three ten. He's he's pushing five fifty to six. If I did if I were to be able to max him out at the time. And now his bench was 250. Now it's 280. Wow. So, and you can just visually see the difference in, in the individual. And obviously, he he's grown. I mean, naturally, he just grow. Yeah. They're in their growth spurts and puberty and everything else. But you can still see this kid has not. He you can see he's been in the weight room. Oh. <laughs> you know, without a doubt, he, he's a pretty special kid himself. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a kid that was here every day, couldn't miss. Um, and it's, it takes their dedication as well. I'll try to bring up another child here. Let me see here. And you can see I have him with shirts on. Um, yeah, there's a, you know, I, I just, I know colleges, they do before and after pictures with their shirts off, but I just feel like in college, I just don't want to, I feel like it's necessary to, Keep a tank top on them at least. When I first started, I didn't even think about putting the tank tops on them. Mm -hmm. As you can see, our, this is our running back. He started out very lean, slim guy. He was a 106, eight, uh, 60. Now he's a, at the time he was 186. And he's put on some weight during the season as well. So now he's in the 90s. Wow. But his squat went from 355 to three uh, 475. Bench went 230 to 275. So not only parents, they love seeing it. But uh, college coaches that are recruiting these kids, I hand them out. Mm. I, I hand these out to this show how hard these kids do work, and uh, that's that's part of what they want to know. You know, how do they work for you? And visually, you can see. Oh yeah. So who who else would you say? You said you know parents would would is this something that you would use with coaches? Talk to us about who who all would potentially see this information besides us now viewing. Oh yeah, coaches. I, I, we show our coaches. Um, you, you got to validate what you're doing, right? And this is validation, in my opinion. Um, yeah, anybody that's interested. So we have we're a private school, right? And we have open houses where uh, we just had one recently uh, last Sunday. Okay, where parents can come in with their their middle school child and see the school, see what the school's about, learn about you know the academics, learn about the athletics, and learn about the weight room. So I have these pictures hung up. It just to show the families that are coming in here, like, you know, we really focus on developing them physically. This is the physical development, but we also talk about the mental maturity, 
growing uh, growing as a culture of a family team team atmosphere family um but this is just validation to show like look dude, i think what we're doing is working yeah no absolutely i mean i think that's great i think that's one thing sometimes is us as strength coaches need to keep in mind um i was talking to a different strength coach earlier is you know we are still in the business of sales i mean we are selling what we are doing and having the kids buy in i mean you have a kid look at this that's a freshman right now and go hey look like you know you could potentially be there one day that that can be you if you continue to put in the hard work you know how hard so and so worked you know you need to make sure that we you know are are in line with that or in step with that because that makes a huge difference well yeah no that's another thing yes the show the young kids as a freshman why are you why do I gotta take this picture with my tank top on? Like, but then, then once they see it, they're like, "Wow, like I can do that." Wow. Oh, so yeah, that's big for them to get their buy-in. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that again, we're we're in sales. That's what we're trying to do is make sure that we've got buy-in. Yep. Um, okay, coach. As we start kind of wrapping up here, uh, tell listeners a little bit about where they can find out about the great work that you're doing at Hoven and uh, how they could reach out to you. All right, good. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are they're both uh, uh, Hoven underscore Strength. And Facebook's Open Strength as well. Uh, I try to update all four or three uh, um, social media outlets regularly. I try to, the, the way I use it is that I promote the school, promote the athlete. And that's, you'll see a lot of uh, what all of our sports do on a regular basis in the weight room. So that's awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Honor.